0: The views expressed in this program are those of the participants, and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. Of course we'd want to compensate you for your trouble. Ah. There's really very little that you could offer me. Unless... Yes? Um, unless, of course, you had water. If you help us find our missing crew members, you can have all the water you want. That that sounds like a very reasonable arrangement. Good. Good morning, London. It is Thursday, August 28, 2008. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM where we will be with you from now until noon. No, not right wing, just right. Fade into colour, colour to black and white. Under the everything will be alright. Welcome to the show today, where today it's Water Wars Part 2. As I promised last week, we started on this theme er, on the show last week, and today we're going to expand the discussion. Last week we even talked a little bit about the 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 chemistry of water and the nature of water as well as the politics. Today we're gonna end the show with some amazing facts about the bottled water industry in Ontario that you probably do not know and it pretty well lays waste to everything you're reading in the papers. But before we get to that we'll be talking about why, and I mentioned this subject last week but we didn't get to it, why the bottom line is the bottom line for the eco movement, the green movement, And of course, we're going to continue our countering of the propaganda and all the silliness and stupidity and ignorance around the whole water bottle ban and what's going on with the whole situation. And that's what we're going to start with, with uh, an overview. Again, uh, I, I gave a quick summary last week. I started at the end. I started with my conclusions. I'm going to do that again this week but perhaps expand on a few of them a little more, not all of them. 519-661-3600 is a number that you can call if you want to join in on our open line discussion today. You can also email us at justwritechrw at gmail.com and of course there's always uh, chrwradio.com. You can go to that website to pick up the show or see our archive and the current show at justrightmedia.org Now, You know, last week's earth-shaking questions about the the whole water bottle ban, and I started off with saying some basic facts that I'm continuing today to try and state my case for to prove. I I came state my conclusions first and then give you the evidence later. Now, let's go through it again. If you you tune in to last week's show, you've heard a bit of this before, but I think it bears repeating, especially since we get repeated to us weekly, some of the nonsense that just comes out of the media, and I'll be talking about that today. So again, about five or so main points. The first one, of course, being you keep hearing that tap water is free. Tap water is not free. And you keep hearing that tap water is safer than bottled water. Tap water is not safer than bottled water. That's not to say it's unsafe to drink in most communities, but if you're going to look at the overall record, you just can't say that. And again, I remind you there are between 1 and 2,000 boiled water and water advisory warnings from tap water in effect in in this country right now. Now the basic issues, interesting. You know, I thought last week when the issue was hot that it would peter out by now, but it still half the half of the uh, the letters to the editor in the Free Press are still about this issue. The National Post came out with an issue or a, a, an editorial on the on the water bottle ban, and and almost the other half of the letters that don't talk about it might mention the ban in some respect to an issue that they might be discussing. So it's amazing how this seemingly insignificant issue, a seemingly insignificant deal about whether the city decides to sell bottled water or not. Uh, It it just has gotten into the minds of everyone. But let's look at the issues again. If the issue, as I said last week, if it's about selling water, and uh, in fact there was a a letter right here, I've got it right here, where is it, August 26th, Wayne Delleman from Port Stanley says, why hasn't anyone suggested selling refillable bottles instead for the city? Well, sure enough, that's what I did do last week and have done it before. And I, I'll answer his question f- for him. Why why not charge that $2 for supposedly two cents worth of water and make a killing if everything they say about city tap water is so great, right? You'd think that that's what they would do. And of course, the answer is the tap water would fail the test. Though there might be some municipalities, I think, who could pass that test. Uh, I don't know. I doubt it, though. Because I don't think it would, any of them would meet the, the standards set by the various regulation agencies to which private bottle producers are subject. And you'll be hearing a bit about that today. Now, for starters, and understand this, because, because bottled water is considered a food, the first thing you've got to do is list the contents of the bottle on your package, right? And that's what you'll see if you buy a, bottled, uh, or a bottle of uh, water. You'll see the contents there. Now, can you imagine what ingredients of tap water might look like if they had to list that? on a bottle label, you know, fluoride, chlorine, lead maybe, fecal parts per million. I mean, the water we get through our taps, which I'm not arguing, again, is unsafe to drink, but that water comes from our lakes, and we also use our lakes for domestic and industrial use. Uh, You know, it it, uh, reminds me of one of the clips we played last week, uh, you know, where somebody said something like, uh, New York City tap water is full of chemicals. And that's why it's safe to drink. (laughs) Because, of course, the chemicals kill all the other stuff that's in the water, and then people have problem with the chemicals. So, you you know, even though you can argue the water's safe to drink, and I certainly would say it is, I compared to bottled water, I don't think they're the same product, okay? Uh, Another issue, if the issue's about plastic bottles, and again, someone mentioned this again, too, and I think this was in The Londoner by, of all people, Phil McLeod. says, yeah, if you're going to do the plastic bottle thing, why not ban... Them all. Why just pick on water? Now, you know, are you going to tell me that the same arguments they use for water couldn't hold true for every single beverage? I mean, carry your own, carry your own juice, carry your own apple juice, carry your own ginger ale. It doesn't really matter whether it's water or not. You can put orange juice in reusable bottles, can't you? It's the same thing. Put your carbonated beverages in your reusable bottle, which is funny because carbonated be- beverages are <laughs> CO2. <laughs> oh, it's so funny the environmental movement but you can put them in your reusable bottle and carry them around with you and so i have to ask why are only water drinkers being forced to suffer this burden it's an interesting question isn't it number four if the issue is about litter why doesn't the city of london recycle its own litter in public places because as amazing as it may seem the city does not do this, or ha- hasn't been doing it till now, and relies largely, ironically, on private sponsors to look after the job, such as placing garbage cans in parks by Tim Hortons, as was done at one of the festivals. And you heard our quotes from London controller Bud Polhill last week that I read on the show regarding how the city has only, in the past year or so, gotten around to putting recyclable bins and stuff both in the JLC, on in the parks, things like that. Then, of course, uh, number five, if the issue is about conservation, well, does that make any sense at all? Why is the city promoting the sale of tap water? If if you're going to conserve it, uh, if that's the the, the word of the day, then the last thing you want to do is promote your own. Why not be happy with the fact that the demand on your water supply is being lessened? It just doesn't make sense. So... Basically, here's the answer to all of these questions, okay? And and that's what I'm going to set out to again, continue my case to demonstrate, and that is that what we are witnessing is a global strategy trickling down from the United Nations to fight the privatization of the production and delivery of drinking water. That's literally what's going on. I'm not guessing at this. It's they say it explicitly. It's in their minutes. It's in their, it's in their stated uh, objectives. You know all the way through you see it, and yet, for some reason, our media just, oh, yeah, that's that's irrelevant, Uh, that's irrelevant, we don't care about that. Uh, What about the plastic in in the landfill site? You know, like, oh, my goodness, reminds me of Willem Reich, you know, down with the main point and up with the incidentals, and that's what it's all turned into. Of course, this is a totally communist concept, government ownership of the means of production. It's all about establishing a government monopoly on water. And to do that, they must resort to bans, restrictions, and their accompanying propaganda, which is otherwise called false news, which some people go to jail for. Uh, You know, lies, BS, non sequiturs, and rationalizations to obscure the main objective. Because governments know that they cannot win in a free market of competition. Uh, That's why uh, municipal and government education campaigns always come loaded with a gun, you know? Ban. It's a ban. When I mean, this gun goes ban, 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 you know, <laughs> and at least at this point. And I guess if you don't comply, then the ban, ban, ban turns into a bang, bang, bang as the G is added to the word, because, of course, G is for government and G is for gun. And that's the Big Bang Theory, according to me today, on the Enviro Green Shirts. Now, again, the amazing thing is that the politicians who support this kind of thinking actually believe that they're being leaders, and that these ideas are something new. In practice, of course, they're all fighting the only ideas that are new in terms of mankind's history, an understanding and acceptance of reality, reason, freedom, capitalism, consent, choice, and I would say even today these ideas are still not fully understood. To use uh, these very words to describe their thinking, I would be forced to conclude that green ideas are, just to contrast, unreal, unreasonable, anti-freedom, Anti-capitalist, anti-choice. Now, is there anyone out there who could disagree with this assessment? If you, if you disagree, give me a shout. I want to hear from you. Since when do people consider? I want to know such primitive and tribalistic thinking as being something new. Have they not picked up a history book? Or, oh, I, I tell you, y- you know, even though the ideal of capitalism has never been fully attained, since we have we live in a mixed economy, okay, which always means a mixture between capitalism and some other non-consensual economic system. But in the brief span during which we experimented with this thing that we're learning, that we've called capitalism, actually Karl, Karl Marx gave it that name, uh, trying to smear it, but we saw greater advancements in the past 200 years for mankind than all of human history uh, prior to this period combined. And period, that's it. You just can't argue about that. The rule is consistent. The greater the degree of capitalism and freedom a society enjoys, the greater its prosperity, the greater its capacity for happiness of its citizens, and the more peaceful and war-free the world is. A capitalist society is one, of course, in which force is prohibited as a means of dealing with one another. A capitalist society operates on consent, private property, and choice. And in a capitalist society, force you can only use legitimately against those who violate the rights of others to consent and their private property and their choice. And it's almost the very definition of civilization. So that's just a brief uh, philosophical canvas on which this issue of water bottle bans has been painted onto. The political canvas is the concerted worldwide political effort to fight the privatization of water. And, uh, you know, I call it water wars. Only one of the next main stages on which the anti-industrial left will continue its green objectives, and I would say the others are, you know, the general environment in general, energy, health care, are going to be the other main stages. Now, we're going to take a quick break right now, and then when we come back after this break, we will be talking about, uh, well, we'll be countering some of the propaganda, and we'll be hearing some of the propaganda in terms of uh, what people on both sides of this issue have been saying in the media, we'll be back right after this quick smile. I remember when I was eight, I got my first pet, I got a goldfish. He lived for half an hour. (laughs) So I took him for a walk. I didn't realize they needed water. I thought they just preferred it. Water, Jamin. I have water to replace all that I borrowed. Show them, Mister Paris. Their ship has technology that makes water out of thin air. You have more, Janeway. to Voyager, energize. There's more where that came from, if you can help us. How can we help someone so powerful they can create water out of thin air? Water out of thin air, just like you can create a political issue out of thin air, I think. They've learned something from that Star Trek episode. Welcome back, 519-661-3600, the number to call if you want to join in in the conversation. You're listening to Just Right. I'm Bob Metz, and this is CHRW 94.9 FM, where we'll be with you for another three quarters of an hour or so. So just how is water, or bottled water, you know, how is the water bottled and sold? I think we want to get into a bit of that. Started, I, I touched on this a bit at the end of the show because I didn't want to leave you hanging at the end of the show without a few concrete uh, facts before we left, so I'll have to repeat a couple of them today because they're very worth repeating. Uh, some of them come from, and right now I'll start off with uh, John Chaloner. He's from uh, Nestle's, of course, and they sell bottled water amongst other things. They're the Nestle's Water Canada is a subsidiary of Nestle's Waters North America. And John Chaloner was on uh, the radio a few weeks ago, and he was talking about how, and this was before they knew that the ban would was a sure thing. Okay, but I think they also already expected that way the uh, that that's the way the vote would go. And he he does in fact have a rebuttal in the Free Press on August twenty fifth. You can see it there. Uh, bottled water ban will backfire, and in that article, I don't think he really. Everything he says in there, I agree with, but I don't think that a lot of his arguments there were, you know, are again the main point. And perhaps that's because he's more concerned with the narrow interests of his industry, which he should be, of course, but uh, not not that much with the bigger picture, which is what is driving it. Now, of course, they had had proposed that the city of London expand its recycling program to include public spaces. To me, just, just that very proposal seems preposterous. You'd think the city would have started with its public places and then introduced recycling to the rest of us, but uh, it was the other way around, and they're still struggling with uh, dealing with their own philosophy and propaganda and having to practice what they preach, which apparently the city does not regularly do. And that just blows me away that they're not recycling. That's what half of this problem is about. And he says, uh, you know, that they noticed the city's concerned about the amount of litter in its park and all the recyclable items that are in public facilities that are going to landfill. And they actually came forward and said, look, we got a deal. We'll solve your problem for you. We'll pilot a public spaces program. We'll collect recyclable materials in parks, on the public streets, and bars, restaurants. That's what they're doing in Quebec right now, by the way. And they found an 85% participation rate in the program there, and as a result... Um, the government of Quebec and their industry signed an agreement that's worth about $7.2 million that will see Nestlé's collect recyclable materials in public spaces in Quebec. And they were proposing the same thing for London. And then London, you know, could have become a leader. Ooh, imagine that. But no, London chooses to be followers because they think following is leading. <laughs> Funny qu- clip I played once I remember on the show from, uh, what's the name of that show? Um, Oh, yes, minister, <laughs> where the minister figures out in order to lead, one must follow. Uh-huh. Now, as to why we don't have deposits on bottles, I covered that last week near the end of the show, but again, I think this bears repeating. It is so important. And John Chaloner of Nestle's informs us that, you know, it's, a, it's about the history of the blue box in Ontario, and it's a little ironic, he says. And he blames it essentially on David Peterson who uh, was from London here, and back in 1988, when he was premier, he proposed to the beverage industry that he wanted to get into a major recycling program, which was called the Blue Box system. And uh, so what they decided to do then was cease the deposit program and put the money they were using for that into the Blue Box program, and that's exactly what they did. Now we're 20 years into the system, and we're finding that the mess is bigger. So he says, you know, for the industry to go back to a deposit system with respect to plastic and other items, the problem with that is that it would kill the Blue Box program because you'd be taking most of their valuable components out of it, uh, which apparently are plastic and aluminum. And uh, those items in in the Blue Box help cut, apparently, the cost of running the Blue Box program. And, of course, the industry doesn't want to be paying for two programs because they also you know make industry pay well they're already paying for 50% of the cost of the blue box program so why would they get into another one and why would people be telling them they should pay even more does a consumer and the individual have no responsibility for anything that's that's where the movement seems to be coming from now Nestle's themselves they market Pure Life Montclair Perrier Pellegrino Aquapena and Battel. so you have you know they have apparently a vested interest in the product. They're always accused of that, right? But what was very interesting is uh, that when Mr. Chawner was uh, confronted with that, he says, listen, he says, Nestle's waters doesn't do any business with the city of London. You won't find any of their product in the vending machines in the city of London. They've got nothing to lose by London, particularly, not doing this because it's not their water that's in their, in their machines. And he says, our disagreement is on principle, quote, end quote. And I just find it fascinating that we're hearing the word principle being used by the business community, but certainly not the political community, which is really unfortunate. He thinks it's bad policy. That's what he argued in his August 25th article as well. And uh, in the sense of, you know, it's environmental symbolism and not a real solution to the problem. That's one of the reasons that he says they're opposed to it. And they would prefer to deal with concrete uh, alternatives that they know actually work. And so, you know, public spaces, he says, is about putting recycling bins in public spaces and collecting them. And uh, he thinks the program would make the current program in the City of London much more efficient. And today it's not collecting the level of recyclable material that it should be. You know what all this tells me, too, is that obviously private industry thinks that there's money in doing this. How come the city cannot seem to make money even when private industry <laughs> wants to get in on it, um, I understand why that is, and that's something we'll be looking at in the future. It all comes down to economics and what drives economic forces. Then, of course, there's the never-ending, and you'll hear some of them shortly, uh, the attacks on the quality of, of bottled water. And of course, he responds by saying that things like BPA and leaching from pla- plastic are just not factual. In fact, I've got some information about the plastic for you. You'll hear about at the end of the show. Just amazing. And he says, don't take my word for it. You can visit Health Canada's website where you can see the whole discussion. He says, "Leaching is a complete urban myth. There's no BPA in the product. And it's not an issue that anyone should even be concerned about at all. And of course, here's where I think he's maybe stepping off the track, because I think he's being a little diplomatic. He's being very nice. You know, he says in terms of water quality, he wants to make it clear, and that he's made it clear to the city staff that it's not an issue of bottled water versus tap, when in fact, that is what the political issue is, and well, you'll hear the proof for that later on in the show. He says we're not anti-tap. That, that's true. Uh, we are fully supportive of the City of London wishing to promote its tap water, whether it's tap or it's bottled. What Canadians drink is of no consequence to us. But he says when the environmental movement you know, starts attacking their business, the quality of their product they have to say something of course they do and that's why you'll see them defending themselves in these forums and city halls around imagine the whole country and the continent but this is very important bottled water is regulated by Health Canada bottled water is considered a food talked about that earlier you got to list the ingredients and that's a very strict limitation and regulation they're regulated by the Ontario Ministry of the Environment. We're gonna You're going to hear about that one. I and mean, That will surprise you. We're regulated by our own industry organization. They have surprise audits to take place in their plants on a regular basis, and they've never had a breach. Now, you know, I'm thinking of the whole meat thing that's going on right now, and the government's screaming, oh, yeah, we've got to have inspectors, we've got to have a government-run system. Man, the minute we go there, you can expect we're going to have more outbreaks of, of bad meat because... You, the industry can regulate itself. I don't think there's a problem with that meat issue either, because it's not an issue. It was something that happened. We don't know what actually caused it. The industry has taken responsibility for it, and yet politicians are screaming like, uh, like what, like somebody's trying to hide a murder or something like that when that's not the case at all. London, of course, as far as bottled water goes, is a test market and has been a test market for a lot of products. And when they see something fail in this city, it's kind of a, a blow to everyone. He talked about how, as well, why they moved from glass to plastic, because they just saw this as a protection that consumers needed at a home. Glass is too dangerous, too heavy, it's breakable, and it's not good for the environment, and especially with a busy family, and you don't want to see glass thrown around all over the place. And, of course, health is very important, and security, safety, and quality of the product are paramount, because it is a food. So the challenge is to find the best product to carry the product in, and they think that's moving to lighter plastics, which they are doing. The plastics are 100% recyclable, and uh, you know they've basically the industry has gone out of their way to provide everyone with a total solution, but the governments are saying no. No to you. We want to do it because you know, that gives us a reason to tax our citizens some more. And of course, uh, they're a major funder of the system that collects and recycles everything now. And, uh, you know, this plastic, by the way, when they recycle it, you, you're hearing this movement in the water movement here. Oh, no, you've got to recycle it and reuse it, you know. Uh, reduce, reuse. That's the two first words words—and reduce, reuse, recycle. And that's just not safe with this plastic. It's not made for that. And uh, I don't know that it's safe for a lot of things, but um, the whole thing about... Uh, what they do when they talk about recycling is the plastic becomes used for clothing it becomes carpeting it becomes toys playground equipment automotive parts those kind of things and uh, of course the movement is now saying oh no that's not recycling well, what is it then come on you know they just you know what they want it's, it's not about this at all they just give themselves away with all their contradictory arguments that just don't seem to match the goal they set out for themselves so uh... You know, and then, then you hear the counter that, well, you know, the convenience argument, right? We're buying the water because we're lazy. And um, uh, Chaloner basically said, no, they're not. People aren't lazy. They just don't know what they don't know. And he understands that uh, the industry has to do a bit more work, he says, with the government. Well, I don't know that that's the right answer. But, of course, they're going to have to uh, tell people just the way it is in terms of uh, how the industry operates and uh, the value of all the programs they have and how to cut litter. Um, it's interesting because um, and here's another fellow, Jarrett Davidson, and he's with uh, World of Water, and he's uh, the president of World of Water. And um, basically his product is a little bit different. It's not bottled water in the sense of what you'd be buying in the store. Uh, they don't deal in a single serve water like Nestle's does. What they do is they deal with in-home and in-office Bottled water market. So you might wonder why are they why were they participating in the municipal hearings? Are they do they feel like they're under attack or something like that? And apparently they must because um, you know they're, they're, the thing that's bothering them, of course, is um, what's causing this ban. And they're talking about well, it's one's re- one issue is recycling, and the other one is supposedly the quality quality of water. And uh, recycling is a lot about education. And he says again, people don't know what they don't know. If we can Enable all facilities to offer better options with regard to recycling. He thinks we'll be better off than we are today. And of course, he couldn't understand why the city turned down Nestle's offer. And again, you know, the industry's so cautious when they're talking about their own 100% safety record so far. I mean, I'm not going to say that it might be like that forever, but so far they're doing pretty good, huh? And he again, the water quality issue. No one's ever died from a bottle of water produced in Canada. You can't say that about tap water. Every municipality in Canada is very different concerning their guidelines and monitoring of their municipal production system. And the general statement that tap water is as good as bottled water, he argues, is so broad a statement, it's almost, you know, you can't measure it. And I mentioned this last week as well. and uh, But he says for outsiders, here's where he comes in, you know, to criticize the quality of our product, we have to take exception to that. And so basically, the Green Movement has invited them in because they attacked them without cause, really. And now they have to defend themselves. He says it's almost impossible to compare the two, being tap water and bottled water, because there's so many different production facilities, both in municipal treatment systems as well as in private bottled water companies. They're not all the same. There's hundreds of them, maybe thousands. I'm not sure, but we'll find out later. And he says he certainly wasn't surprised, and this is interesting because... This interview he did was done, I think, the day on or the day after Health Canada issued a warning about municipalities' water supplies with regard to fluoride. And he said that has been happening right across North America. And some of the municipalities are starting to take fluoride right out of the water, reducing the amount or banning it altogether. And uh, that's another issue with tap water. There's a lot of uncertainty. And, uh, of course, he says from their perspective, they want to make sure that customers have choices. And if municipalities, you know, have chlorinate or put fluoride in the water, uh, and they can't get any other kind of water, then the consumer has no choice with regard to what they put in their body. And what he'd like to see is water that has nothing in it. And should a consumer want to add something into their diet, they can make that choice on their own. He says, our water is absolutely pure, it has nothing but water H2O. And again, what they do, they take incoming water, they pretreat it with filtration and softening. They put it through vapor compression technology. They, they remove the water from the impurities and sediments themselves, and then they create steam. And then they cool the steam down through a post-filtration process, an ozonation, which actually adds oxygen into the water, then they bottle it. So it's actually pure and free from all sediments, and impurities. Now, that's basically how it is done. Um, I guess many of you must still remember Walkerton, how many people, some died, some got sick from the well water. You know, I was talking to, to my friend uh, Andy Jansen, who was a guest on the show. He couldn't understand why they just didn't pour H2O2 into that water supply. It would have dissolved all organic material, and, um, you know, they probably wouldn't have had the problem, but... Uh, The cities are like that they have to do things very efficiently and do it according to the rules and what they know and uh, basically when it comes down to water cooler versus tap water you know they're saying that basically they can guarantee the end product it's all about consistency and reliability and that's a big thing too you know a lot of people who tell me i say why do you drink uh, bottled water and they say well i can sue them if something goes (laughs) wrong and we'll come back. We're t- going to take a quick break. Now, when we come back, we'll be talking about why the bottom line is the bottom line for the Eco Green Shirts. We'll take a quick break, and there's some important messages coming up now. We'll see you in a couple minutes. Man, when it's raining, I have no regret. Because it is raining rain, you know it's raining latch. Hey, who turned off my shower? I paid my water bill. Uh-oh, I know. Every year the same thing. Those pesky little beavers are building a dam. I'll just go up and... Hey, wait a minute. Suppose it ain't the beavers. What if there's just no more water? No more showers? My carrots will shrivel. I'll die of thirst. Water! I'm thirsty already? Water! Water! (coughs) Nah, it's gotta be them pesky beavers. one is adversarial, too. Aggressive. Intrusive. We should do to this one what we did with the other. Restore it to a pure existence. Counteract its adversarial nature. Wait, let's not be hasty. There's nothing wrong with acquiring profit. That is what the Zek said. And he was right. Look, I don't know how you people live, but all of us corporeal linear whatevers have certain things in common. And one of those things is... The need to improve ourselves. Our ambition to improve ourselves motivates everything we do without ambition, without, dare I say it, greed. People would lie around all day doing nothing. They wouldn't work. They wouldn't bathe. They wouldn't even eat. They'd starve to death. Is that what you want? Are you so isolated and detached that you would sit back and allow the extinction of every corporeal being in the galaxy? (laughs) Almost sounds like a direct question I'd like to ask some of the leaders of the eco-movement, because boy, does that question fit. And of course, two of the big groups we hear about a lot with respect to this who are pushing all the nonsense are the Council of Canadians and another group called the Polaris Institute. Welcome back. 519-661-3600. I'm Bob Metz. You're listening to Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM for another 25 minutes or so. don't know if you've heard about the Polaris Institute. Um, its spokesman was on the radio last week. heard him in an interview. His name is Richard Gerard, and... Uh, He described the Polaris Institute as starting out as an organization with a mandate to provide other movements and other political action movements and citizen movements and those kind of movements to develop different kinds of strategies needed to challenge corporate power across the world, okay, to challenge corporate power across the world. That's the goal. Never mind the water, never mind what the corporations make. Those are all incidental, and that's why up with the incidentals and down with the main point to use willem Rice thing in politics. That's how it's done. He says we see corporate power as driving a lot of government policy and that we need to provide different people who are trying to confront this power with the proper research, information, and tools to make things a bit fair, to show the world that it's not just politicians doing this but a lot of corporations behind them pulling the strings. Well, that's just crapola. But uh, he believes it, of course. Now, uh, the director of, of the Polaris Institute, a fellow named Tony Clark, apparently wrote a book way back in 2004 called Inside the Bottle, an expose of the bottled water industry. And he says what we're seeing was a really, quote, rapid explosion in sales of bottled water and, quote, an explosion of profits that corporations of bottled water were making on this product. And, uh, you know, so this guy decided to write a book and expose the different issues that they'd identified with. Water, environment, that means the incidentals. Okay, now they go with the incidentals. The environment, um, the water-taking issue, which is we'll get into in detail, uh, health issues. And so he says, we've identified a bunch of different issues to discuss and write about and talk about, and we released a second edition of Inside the Bottle last year. We're organizing different community forums, working with different student groups on raising awareness about the bottled water issue. And he says, I would say, get this, I would say, quote, Polaris is against the bottled water industry, end quote. And of course, that's also not true because they're actually against all private industry profits and sales because they just said so. We're here to challenge corporate power across the world. Well, the bottled industry isn't across the world, okay? So you hate anybody that's formed a corporation. You're a complete prejudice non-thinking, uh, non-identity. I mean, I don't know how to say things, anything nice about you on the air, I'll tell you. But here's, here's, here's an amazing question. He says, we're trying to ask the question, why are people drinking bottled water now, when 16 years ago we weren't? So what's happened in those last 15 to 20 years to create this explosion in the sale of bottled water to change people to thinking they had to drink bottled water instead of drinking municipal water, he asks. This is the, this is the head of uh, Richard Gerard of the Polaris Institute. Now, I could think of a few reasons. Um, the Internet, an explosion of information and self-empowerment, uh, advances in production, advances in technology, advancements in environmentally safe and recyclable materials. That's uh, <laughs> just say few of the things that come to mind of why it's happened lately. Why weren't we driving cars around 300 years ago? Hmm, Earth-shaking questions these guys come up with. It's unbelievable. Of course, what's his reasoning for it? Why does he think it happened? Well, it's, of course, it's, it's a corporate reason, of course, because it was great marketing by four major bottled water companies, and they've identified four companies they want to go after. Coke, Pepsi, Um, Denon and Nestle's. And he goes, we all know Nestle's. Yeah, they're the company that uses the word principle. That's why you don't like them. And, of course, get this quote. Those big four companies are all Fortune 500 companies doing billions of dollars in revenue every year. They have huge advertising budgets, so a lot of advertising money goes into convincing people they should be drinking bottled water instead of drinking tap water. And, uh, of course, he says... uh, some slogan called hydrate or die comes from a corporate marketing firm, and he says there's a really aggressive advertising against tap water. They see tap water as their competitor. Now, that's not what I've seen. I've seen all every industry representative I've heard talk on this goes painstakingly out of their way not to comment on tap water, to be very polite, as I mentioned earlier. And what they're responding to is basically all of, all of the lies about their industry, not about the tap water industry that's being generated by these eco green shirts. And you can see that by the way Nestle's responded to the city, you know, trying to put the ban into place. It makes, it makes, uh, oh, this is, uh, this is again, um, um, what's his name talking from the Polaris Institute. He says, it makes sense to them because now their bottom line is being influenced by exactly what the city of London is doing, you know, and of course, This is another outright lie. Let me quote what I just read to you two seconds ago. Nestle's water does not do any business with the City of London. You won't find our product in the vending machines here. Our disagreement is on principle. Or, how about Jarrett Davidson, World of Water? Our business does not deal in single-serve water like Nestle's does. We we, We deal primarily in home and in office. So they don't even deal in bottled water let alone tap water and yet both have taken the time to show up and defend themselves against false accusations of groups like Polaris and Polaris keeps saying oh your bottom line's at stake well that's not what it's about at all in fact they're not even there and 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 again this is uh, Polaris talking and and what more and more people are doing across North America and Europe is he says is turning back to tap water you know even two weeks ago Nestle's posted a loss in their water division That's just not true, okay? Sales are increasing across the board, but that's just part of the picture. And a lot of that is due to environmental concerns, he says. So they realize the bottled water sector is taking a hit, and they're going to aggressively oppose, there's that aggression, aggressively oppose any kind of legislation or moves by municipalities. Now, who's the aggressor here? I want to know. I think it's Polaris, because everybody else was just minding their own business until those guys came around. And there's another fellow, Justin Sherwood from Refreshments Canada, who spoke that you know that the London ban was a real lost opportunity by City Council and uh, they really that we really lost a choice, you know both the, count, the bottled water thing and of course it's not going to stop there. They're already talking about banning it in schools across the province. We got into that last week. And essentially, uh, you know he argues that fundamentally if you listen to the debate at City Council, there's really only two veins of discussion environmental concerns around the bottle and plastics in general and he says those concerns aren't based on any facts if you look at the plastic bottles used to make bottled water they're hundred percent recyclable recycled at very very high rates and unfortunately not by municipalities who won't recycle on their own public spaces and that's part of the problem and he says they're a valuable material from an end recycling market perspective and he says they should be expanding all these programs of course and uh he says the other aspect city council put forward was that we produce tap water and we think that consumers should consume what we produce not bottled water so it's back to consumer choice and he he jokingly says yeah you can have any water you want as long as it's tap water that's how the municipal government thinks and he says uh, they're concerned they're concerned about the precedent that has been set here and where it might lead to in the future of course now you know, I think the business community is far too kind to the Polaris Institute and the Council of Canadians and all them, of course they have to be um, to criticize these wackos, I really think they're wackos but calling them what they are would be to criticize most of the councillors to, to whom they have to appeal to make a rational case You know, and the only facts that were brought to the table by Polaris or by the Council of Canadians is the fact of their own dishonesty and envy of the wealth of others those are the only two facts I saw them bring to the table We'll lie to you, and, uh, boy, we like your money. You're a big company, corporation, money, 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 profit, profit, profit. Nothing to do with any of the issues that they say they're based on. And, uh, you know, I have to keep drumming this home because the industry needs to learn this too because if if this is lost on industry, uh, they they just will never bring themselves to dealing with the level of mentality that they're dealing with. And, of course, I don't have that problem. I don't even drink tap water or even bottled water, because I just drink not coffee, tea, juices, that kind of stuff. But I do understand the nature of my own freedom and how it's linked to the freedom of each and every other person out there. And when another person's freedom is restricted, so is mine, and so is yours. And if you want to enjoy the benefits of freedom, they have to be shared equally with everyone. And I think certainly we do need an education campaign. We need to educate our politicians on what it means to be responsible guardians in a free society. Take another quick break for a smile and we come back. The facts about the bottled water industry in Ontario, these will blow you away. This is just something you never heard before. We'll be back right after this. I made a great play in the shower today. You ever do that? Soaping yourself up, drop the soap off an elbow? Yes! <laughs> oh, yeah. get freaked out in the shower. How many people have, just like me, the shower curtain that loves you a little too much? What the hell is going on there? You get the soap in your arse and it starts trying to touch you? You can't help but think it is loving your roommates as well? Get away, you cheating vinyl. We just like baths together growing up. Four kids in a bath. You only need two cups of hot water, the tub fills right up. <laughs> this is really comfortable. I'm touching way too much flesh right now. I bet you get that age where you're too old to take baths together, right? Remember that last bath? You know, you're just sitting there looking at each other. One of us should turn around or something. I got a board meeting to get to. This is disgusting. Now we, now we know what those corporate executives are doing. They've got a board meeting to get to. Welcome back. You're listening to Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM. In the last few minutes, I want to talk about some facts of bottled water and some of the, the hysteria about it as well. Uh, Gord Harrison, I've picked on him a lot from the Londoner. He's got, he had this article on August 20th called Popular Myths About Bottled Water Are Explored by a Geezer, referring to himself properly, I believe. He said, myth number one, bottled water is healthier than tap water. And his response is, pshaw, what a bunch of malarkey. Somebody once told me the first batch of boiled bottled water came out of a lead pipe and greasy hose from behind a garage after two guys discovered they could sell tap water for a nickel to people who didn't think to carry their own, got thirsty all of a sudden, and were a long way from home. (laughs) Myth number two is even harder to believe, he says, that water at a dollar or two dollars a liter is cheap tap water is a thousand times cheaper. Instead of buying bottled water, people should simply purchase a sturdy thermos for their backpack. Thanks for coming out, Gord. And then there's, of course, an article, again dealing with uh, the Polaris Institute, called Consumers Cling to Bottle Addiction. Now it's an addiction. You like those bottles? You're an addict, okay? And drinking water. Expert says corporations have created distrust in the municipal tap water system. <laughs> oh, boy, how to, how to put it all backwards, right? And that was from the London Free Press, August 21st, last week, Thursday. And uh, Emma Riley, Canadian Press. Now, I'm not really sure which corporations the headline is referring to. The Corporation of the City of London and other municipal corporations? Because that's what they all are, too, you know? All these companies that say that they're producing tap water and you own it. No, they're corporations. That's what who do you make your check payable to, huh? When you when you pay that check. Or are they talking about the private corporations of the bottled water? Gee, I wonder, eh? And then it says uh, the article reads, you know, and this is in Toronto, so this is not even London, okay? As a municipal push to ban the sale of plastic bottle waters bottle, bottles begins to spread across Canada, consumers across the country seem unready to break their addiction to the bottle. Many consumers remain suspicious of tap water and continue to believe that bottled water is safer despite the gov- environmental impact of plastic bottles. Now, you know, plastic bottle environmental impact in a landfill site has nothing to do with the safety of water. Two totally separate issues. And of course, and the fact that municipal water undergoes more stringent testing, says Richard Girard, a researcher with the Polaris Institute. That Corporations have created a distrust, he says. We see bottled water as a redundant product. It's not needed. There's a need again. If you needed it, it would be okay. But if it's a luxury or a convenience, it's evil. We have good tap water in Canada. He says, if people have concerns about chlorine in the water or other issues, you can buy filters to take that out. So now, not only do consumers have to carry their own water around, they have to filter it in advance. And he says, quote, bottled water just represents the most ridiculous product that's been mass-marketed in the last 15 years when we can get tap water out of our taps at home. And, okay, so then there's Justin Sherwood, president of Refreshments Canada, says the opposite. He says bottled water provides a convenient, safe, and healthy hydration option and argues that it's not only more convenient, but using a reusable bottle can have as much environmental impact as a disposable plastic bottle. It takes significantly more energy to produce than a single-use container. You've got to wash it out, which requires hot water. It requires soap to clean. You've got to make the soap. And you can go on and on and on. And, of course, Polaris responds again, back back and forth it goes. He says, it's completely ridiculous to say that a reusable water bottle is as environmentally damaging as a plastic petroleum-based bottle that's been filled with water, get this, somewhere across the continent and shipped to your store where you drive to buy it. It doesn't make any sense, end quote. Now, it's remarkable how many externals Gerard brought into play to justify his claim that plastic bottles are environmentally damaging. Takes into account the cost of transportation, the production of petroleum, the cost of driving your car to the store, you know. But of course, the external costs brought up with regard to his preference of reusable bottles completely dismissed. Forget about it; they don't exist. Now nah, you don't have. There's no cost to washing. There's no cost to hot water, you know. Even though they're more far directly and immediately related to reusable bottles, you know, like producing and cleaning them to say nothing of the required tap water, filters, backpacks, you know, of which I never even have ever owned one, and all the other primitive nonsense that Polaris is in favor of. And again, in stark opposite contrast to the crap being spouted by Polaris, bottled water in Ontario does not get shipped from somewhere across the continent, quote, unquote It comes from Ontario, okay? It doesn't come out of the lakes or out of municipal water supplies through tap water. Here's something you should know. I got this out of Business Edge, May 30th, 2008. It was actually about, the heading was, New Fee Will Leave Producers Treading Water, Ontario's Move, Has Bottled Water Operators Wondering What's Next on the Environmental Regulation of the Bottled Water Industry in Ontario. Here are some facts. Bottled water holds, oh, by the way, 3 out of 10 people, apparently, are drinking bottled water in their home. That's not out of the home, in the home. So that's 30% who drink it in their home. Uh, what bottled water holds a 9.1% share of the Canadian beverage market, according to 2006 figures released from the New York-based Beverage Marketing Corporation. In Canada, bottled water producers use 1.03 litres of water to produce one litre of water in the manufacturing process. That's almost perfect. I mean, how, how much closer could you get it? Less than two-tenths of 1% of the total groundwater is withdrawn per year for annual bottled water consumption. Bottled water companies are required to do exhaustive hydrogeological studies on all groundwater resources used to ensure long-term sustainability. Sustainable water management is a crucial part of the bottled water industry's business. Now those are some environmental facts. Now here's some political and economic facts you probably haven't heard anywhere. Who do you suppose makes most of the money, the profit, on a bottle of water? You know, Polaris and all those other groups, they're attacking the bottled water industry. But if it's the expense of bottled water that they're criticizing, they're barking up the wrong tree. Listen to this. This will blow you away. The bottom price that water goes out our door, and this is the water producers, okay, is $3 for a case of 24. That's 12.5 cents a bottle. That's what they get. That's it. Done. Not $2 a bottle, not $1 a bottle, 12.5 cents a bottle, nowhere near the $2 price being charged in the stores. Factor in raw materials and overhead. He says it's not rocket science, you know, or, oh, says Wata Franks, general manager of Wata Springs, one of the many smaller private bottled producers based in the Wata Mohawk community in Ontario's Muskoka region that money, that bottled water being sold for $1 and $2 or more a bottle, is going into the pockets of the people who are selling the product and not into ours. So what that means with respect to the exploding profits that Polaris Institute talks about is not profit, but prices. They see a $2 price tag on a store item and somehow just assume that all that money is going into their four targeted five hundred Fortune 500 companies, right? But of course, bottled water is a boon to the variety stores and the like. You know, they've been traditionally making their large markups on products like tobacco and magazines and other sundries that are no longer in favor to the extent they once were. So no doubt the profits from water sales in the stores must also benefit us too because that would reduce the prices on other items to some extent and i think it's more than ironic again that convenience is one of the major targets of the eco green shirts and that the stores who sell bottled water in the in the most variety of locations happen to be called convenience stores go figure eh ma and pa watch out they're coming to get you yet another company called ice river springs water the largest privately held bottled water company in canada is doing everything it can to build smaller regional plants closer to its customers And with respect to the plastic components, now pay heed to this. Ice River is also making its water bottles more lightweight. When the company first started in 1995, its 500 millimeter bottle weighed about 22 grams. Today, the same bottle weighs 11.8 grams, meaning a lighter product to ship and a reduction in the amount of plastic used. And they still have a goal. They want to reduce it yet by another gram. That's just amazing. And the article also uh, reports that... uh, Nestle's Canada was recently given the green light by the environmental ministry to take 1.3 billion litres of groundwater a year from an area near Guelph for only a $3,000 application fee. Now, they take about 10 million litres of water every every day to be bottled for sale out of the groundwater in Ontario. So you can see this is definitely a big Ontario-based industry. Now, if you're wondering just how much water this is in the context of comparing it to something, here's one for you. Quote, What's interesting is that as an industry, we use as much water as 10 golf courses in Ontario, and there are 700 golf courses in Ontario. So our water use is quite small, says Elizabeth Griswold, executive director of the Canadian Bottled Water Association. Now, most of the article from which I've gleaned these quotes and stats was really about the Ontario government's moves to raise the amount it charges next year to industrial and commercial water users under the province's water resources legislation. Uh, the Environment Ministry says a new charge, which is $3.71 per million litres of water, is not a tax, but you know, a recovery fee for administrative costs. That's what they're calling it, eh? So, you know, let's compare all this to what we hear daily in the pages of the Free Press. You know, from Roger Curranci, who voted in favor of the bottle ban. Bottled water is not a healthy choice. Our tap water standards are the strictest in the world. London Free Press. Gord Harrison, of course. The first batch of bottled water came out of a lead pipe. Interesting you should pick a danger inherent with tap water to tell you why bottled water is dangerous. This is just so insulting and uninformed and irrational. I don't know how to respond to things like that. Or the Polaris Institute's Richard Girard. You know, we see bottled water as a redundant product. Use filters and take out the chlorine. Again, danger is inherent with tap water. That's what they're throwing at us. So, you know, the lies and misrepresentation by anyone associated with Green they just go on and on, and I, I too, have been going on and on, I realize, and trying to address even the most simplest of facts and issues. And because with a few exceptions, I don't really see anybody else doing it. And if you think my theory of global tap water monopoly has sounds weird or conspiratorial, I'd be happy to hear from you if you've got a different theory. Because if you don't believe me, then consider this quote from Cory Morningstar... President of the London Chapter of the Council of Canadians. Quote, there is a huge global movement to take back the tap. End quote. That was in the London Free Press, August 20th, 08. So I guess if you're feeling tapped out, there you go, just take back the tap. How are we doing for time there, Taff? Are we okay, or should we be wrapping it up? Wrap her up? I think we're done. You know, just well, one, one quick fact, you know? If you think about the whole terrorist situation we're into, too, if we ever had our water supply destroyed by some sort of terrorist action, wouldn't you want to have a private bottled water industry in place? seems to me a tremendous protection, and then you could have a standard of water that's equivalent anywhere you go. Anyways, that's all I can say about water this week, because otherwise I'll be drowning. We'll see you next week. Until then, do right, act right, think right, and stay right. Take care. We'll see you next week. Fade into color Color to black and white Under the bedclothes Everything will be up That's a tough place, New York We're the toughest people in the world, New Yorkers We buy hot dogs off the street in New York That's how tough we are How ballsy is that? Buying meat from shady-looking foreigners On a street corner Would you like to buy a hot dog? I keep them in my closet, you know Are they kosher? Gracias. Yes.